Good morning. Good morning. Oh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you. <clears throat> thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for this beautiful day where we can come together to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. And I pray your Holy Spirit would fill our hearts now, Lord, in this place. Put aside all the distractions of the day and center our thoughts and affections on you right now, Lord. And that uh, your spirit give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us from your word today. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this world, humbling yourself, putting aside your glory, taking the form of a slave being made in the likeness of men, to come to live a perfect life, to offer up your life on the cross, die and be resurrected from the grave. All these are just unbelievable truths for those that have no faith. And so, Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see today, ears to hear, that your spirit would encourage our hearts and help us, Lord, to follow you your word says. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus said these words in John chapter 12, preparing us and his disciples for what was going to happen to him in the remainder of the book. Our text today is John chapter 13, starting at verse 21 and through the end of the chapter. And what I want to do is just read that whole section of text. And I think we're going to see uh, some themes come out of that whole second half of the chapter. And those are what I want to dig into today together. And so John chapter 13, starting at verse 21. And if you look right before that, Jesus had been telling them, he had just washed the disciples' feet. He'd been telling them, truly I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. And after saying all these things, verse 21, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. One of you will deliver me up. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? So they're like, there's a real closeness here. Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So they're at the Passover. You've experienced the Passover. You know there's unleavened bread there. It's dipped in all the stuff that's on the plates. It's passed around sometimes. So he's taking the bread, he's dipping it, he's giving it to various disciples. When he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. 
After he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. So Satan enters into Judas. Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, go, buy what we need for the feast or that we should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. Now, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow after me. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I, I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Now, what I see here is Jesus showing us the way to true life and love and peace. We'll read in chapter 14. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And he is modeling and showing us the way to life and life abundantly. You remember from the beginning part of chapter 13, he has just modeled humility, vulnerability, love, and service to the disciples. And this was not something that was merely intellectual or emotional, a teaching. He's just done something in the beginning of the verses of chapter 13, which is really unbelievable and remarkable. You remember, it's truly stunning, in fact. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Master and the Teacher, as they call him, has just gotten up from the Passover supper table, taken off his clothes, wrapped a towel around his waist, gotten down on his knees, and washed the dirty and grimy and nasty feet of the disciples. And dried them off with the towel. Complete service here. He even dried them off. He takes the form of a slave and he serves them. Jesus, the Lord Most High, has shown us, as you remember from last time, to go low. And now he is going to take this going low even further. In the text before us, he allows one of his own disciples, Judas, to deliver him up, to betray him, to be killed. He also allows Peter, who some would argue was the leader of the disciples, one of his closest disciples, called the rock of the church. He allows Peter, the disciple with the highest office, 
to deny him. Notice I'm using that word carefully. He allows this. He's in control of everything. He's not worried about these things. Oh, now Peter's going to deny me. And if he leaves, everybody else is going to leave. Oh, man, it's going to be terrible. No. (laughs) I think what's going on here. He allows these things to happen. Peter's not going to just deny him once. He's going to deny him three times. All his disciples would scatter and fall away from him, leaving him completely alone to die. All alone. And through these things, God is glorified in him. And we are commanded, and we can, because of these things, love one another. This is kind of like you can see the, 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 uh, the book ends here. It opens with Judas, who will deliver him up. It ends with Peter, who will deny him, this text. And then right in the middle, God is glorified immediately, now. And we're, we can love one another. We're commanded. The new commandment I give you, love one another. How does all this work together? I wrestled over this text for a long time now. I'm like, how, how, does, how does all that work together? As I was preparing to, to preach this message, I was really going to focus in on the Judas betrayal part. But then I, 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 I zoomed out a little bit for these photographers and I get zoomed out a little bit. I'm like, wait, something else is going on here. There's a bigger picture of what's going on here. Help me see, God, what, what, you're, che- what you're teaching us here. There's, there's something bigger about this text than I've ever really seen before. And I want you all to see it with me today. Here we have an account of these things in the life of Jesus. And we also have a model for how to see our own lives and follow in his example. We learned last time of following his example in humility, love, and service to others. We learned that the way up is down, down on our hands and knees in service to others, and down in humility within our hearts. As Jesus said, blessed are you if you do these things. So he gave us a model. He's giving us a model to follow. We learn that love starts and works only inside of humility. Now, there's a surface meaning to the the passage we've just read, and it's not really hard to see. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. Jesus will ultimately die on the cross. Jesus and God are glorified in this. The disciples are commanded to love one another. Peter will deny Jesus, even though he says he's ready to die for him. That's the surface and the literal meaning here. But I think there's a deeper meaning. There are deeper meanings to this and a deeper seeing that God wants for us to see today. And I want to explore that together. I see here a model for us to follow Jesus into his death and resurrection. Luke chapter 9, 21 says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, 
let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus. is what we're taught there in Luke. What does that look like? What does that really mean for you and for me? Yes, there is a physical death that Jesus experienced and that we will all one day experience. 100% statistic, brothers and sisters, everyone in this room will physically die. 100% probability. It's going to happen. So there is that physical death. We will be buried and our souls will be with the Lord. And one day there'll be a resurrection of that body. That will happen for those who believe in the Lord Jesus. But there's something else here in this passage. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So that's something more than the physical death, isn't it? It's not just the physical death he's talking about. So what does that look like? What does that mean for you and for me? And I think it's in following Jesus into his crucifixion of the old self that enables us to experience resurrection and renewal in our new self and walks by faith in him. The Apostle Paul teaches about this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21. He says, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So we see here also the way up is down, and it's way down, way, way down. This is down in spirit, even below the down on your hands and knees to wash feet that Jesus modeled. Put off the old self, put on the new self. And that's not an easy thing to do. That, that'll make us cry too, I can tell you. Sure does. That's a hard thing to do. So what is this old self? And what is this new self? How is Jesus showing us the way to do this? I'm glad you asked. Our identities are very small. I'm gonna to talk to you about what, what the old self looks like. You can, you can use some other words. I'm gonna use a lot of different words here to try to help us understand this. Because I've seen this kind of at a surface level as I've studied the Bible for years, but I can tell you in my own personal life, I've experienced it in a way that I never have experienced it before in my life within the last two years. Each of us has old Selves, small selves, and I use the word plural because some of us have many of these. Their identities, their egos, 
some might use the word a persona. It's the small self, it's the old self. And that old self, you know, has a very strong identity. And I'm gonna be very vulnerable here with you at the risk of my own reputation and sharing some of these things. So I'll give you some examples of mine. And maybe you'll kind of identify with some of them. So there's Ryan, the, the Southern Baptist pastor. That's a strong identity. There's Ryan, the spiritual husband and father. There's Ryan, the corporate leader and executive. Very strong identities that I have worked 50 years of my life building. That's what you do in the first half of your life. You're, you're pouring into building these identities and they're strong identities. God have mercy on us pastors because that pastor identity, that is, that is one of the strongest ones. It's up on a high pedestal. It is really difficult to live there in that identity. It's an identity. Right? Each one of you in this room, you have identities. The great manager at work. It's a strong identity. Build that identity. And it, it's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with it inherently, but it's small. It's, it's, it's old. It's the small. You know, you young people in the room, you're building these identities now. And they will grow and change over time. You know, the, the A-plus student, the star athlete, the one that's good at music, the musician. We build these identities and these personas, and they're, they're the small selves of our lives. <clears throat> There's the successful business owner identity. There's the Old Testament scholar and pastor identity. You know, they're alive and well in every one of us. And if you would just think for a moment, you'll start to see, like, oh, yeah, I have one of those. Oh, yeah, I have several of those. It takes some time to see them, though, because what happens in our hearts is we, we think we are that. We think it's like this. And that's where the danger comes in. Because that's a small self. It's not a true self. What happens is those selves those old selves, they defend themselves with negative emotions when they're threatened and attacked. You felt that. Anytime you have a strong negative emotion to something, it's not from God, right? Because what's the fruit of the spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's from God. So when you feel a strong negative emotion in your heart, that's the small self defending itself. It's feeling attacked. Whether it's anger or frustration or envy, jealousy, all of the things Paul lists in his lists of sins. Put off the old, put off the old self. You know, that goes. That, that lives in sexual immorality and gossip and 
and judging others. You know, there's a whole list of those things. Put off all that. Put on the new self. The new self is the true self. It's who you really are. To see this will really give you a breakthrough in your spiritual life. It's hard to see them. It's hard to see. But it will make all the difference in your, in your heart and in your spiritual life when God gives you eyes to see this. And you'll start to see it as those small selves fail and fall. Some of us have to be in the second half of life before we can start to see this. Because those small selves fail and fall. The older we get, the more they're tested, the more they're attacked. And you read the book of Ecclesiastes, it's right along this theme. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And you feel it in your soul, especially in the second half of life. Yeah, that, I chased that to the end and it was insufficient. I chased that to the end, and it was insufficient. And Solomon, in his book, he goes on through almost every scenario you can imagine. He had everything you could have in these small cells, and it was all vanity and emptiness. And the more gray hair we have in our heads, the more we know that is true. It just leaves you empty. It's never satisfied. Small or the, the not true self does not satisfy the deep, deepest longing of our souls. And, and you'll keep trying it. You'll keep kicking against the goads. As Jesus said to Paul, Paul, oh, why are you persecuting me? Why do you kick against the goads? Why do you kick against the pricks? It's like these are, these are thorns you're kicking against, but we do it. Because we got to test it again and test it again. And, and like this time, we're going to have a different angle. And this time, we'll have a different angle. And I can be stronger or I can be faster or I can be smarter. And it's going to be different this time. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that reward, that smiley face badge. And that's going to satisfy me. And you get that and you might get it. You might not. But you're still left empty at the end of the day. Those are the, the old selves. So think about what those are in your own life. You might have one. You might have more than one. Those three that I listed, those, that's just the big, big ones. The big, big ones that when those, when those bad boys are challenged, ooh, I can feel the negative emotions. Welling up anger. What are you doing here? Why did that make me so upset? Hello, frustration. Why are you here right now? Everything was fine a moment ago. Now it's not. Why are you here? Now, I used to take those negative emotions and I would say, oh, those are not from God. I got to push those down. I got to get them out of here. But I didn't understand like where they came from or what they were doing there. <coughs> so in recent days, I've 
taking a different approach to that. We're trying to have deeper understanding of these. I, I recognize the personas now, and I recognize that okay, that one's that one's being attacked. Now, why why do I feel that way? I want to understand why that anger is here because it's an understanding that we can have peace. When I understand why it's there, the negative emotion, I can take that and I can. I can turn it. I can ask God, God, help me. Hey, Holy Spirit, help me turn that negative emotion, that anger, that frustration, judgment, criticism, whatever it is. Help me turn that to love and compassion. And the Spirit of God will do that if you will open your heart to it. God has been teaching me, Ryan, you don't always have to be right. And Ryan, you don't have to always go fix everything. Because you know what? I can't. And boy, have I learned that in the last couple of years. That these personas have just been shattered completely. Like God took a plate and just pieces all over the ground, cutting my feet, everywhere. And he's showing me that's the small self. Move past it. Move into the true self. Because that's where peace and love exists. So let's talk about that true self. Our true self lives in union with God. It walks step by step with the Holy Spirit. Our true self is, is, being, is our true being. It's our soul. And it is centered in and operates from a place of love. From love. Our true soul or our true self can live and does live in love and joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how you can know when you are living in your true self, when you're feeling those things, when you have the peace of God in your heart, even in the midst of any crazy circumstance that you are in. And, and we've known people in our lives who, who are living in this true self because you see them. And you wonder, how can they have peace when bombs are going off all around them? Literally and physically, maybe. How do they live in peace when their lives are so chaotic and crazy? When all these terrible circumstances have come upon them, maybe they have cancer. Maybe they've just lost everything financially. Maybe they've just experienced the death of a parent. Or maybe it's a parent who's experienced the death of a child. They're in these terrible circumstances. Or from the outside, you look and you say they have every reason, every right to be stressed, anxious, you know, all these negative emotions in their lives. And yet you see them, and you're like, they have such peace in their souls. How is that, how's that possible? Because somehow, some way, they probably learned this. Maybe they don't have the vocabulary to describe this. Maybe they can't 
articulate it in a clear way, but they've, they've felt this in their souls and they, they know that that small self, that's not where the peace is. It's living in the true self in union with God, walking step-by-step step in the spirit where their true peace lies. In our text today, I, I believe Jesus is modeling for us that believers in him, as believers in him, we will also die and be raised to new life in him. He's also modeling for us and showing us that we need to deliver up and deny our old and small selves, which will never satisfy us. We need to deliver them up. Just as Jesus allowed himself to be delivered up. Now notice, <clears throat> remarkably here it says, Jesus was troubled in his spirit. There's a couple of times where Jesus says these things, and it's noted that he's troubled in his spirit. And I think that's for our benefit. Because as, as I said before, when you deliver these things up, when they're attacked, and they start to defend themselves, you're troubled in your spirit. And delivering them up is very difficult to do. You have to understand that you are not that small self-identity. I have to understand that I am not that small self-identity. That is not ultimately who I am. And that is troubling to our spirits because we've spent our whole lives building that identity. It was, I was thinking about this, I was thinking, you know, famous professional athletes probably struggle with this really early in life. Or, or actors, maybe child actors struggle with this really early in life. They have this strong identity. I am a professional athlete. Guess what? That wears out at about 27 years old. <laughs> you're not taking that with you unless you're Tom Brady, baby. You're not taking that with you till your second half of life. So you're going to feel that really early. That whole identity has to change. It has to be delivered up. <clears throat> and I think that's what Jesus is modeling for us here in this text today. <clears throat> and it is troubling for our spirits when you do this. Oh, it's so hard. I don't think you ever fully really do it completely until you're dead. <laughs> so you're dead. Because I can tell you from my, my own life, every time I work through this exercise and I recognize this and I, I work to transcend those identities, uh, one illustration I've heard is it's like, uh, it's called a crab pot syndrome. You got all these crabs in a pot and the pot, the, the crab's trying to get out of the pot. So I'm like the crab trying to get out of the pot and I got, hundred crabs under me, pulling me back down into that pot. It's like, no, don't you dare get out of that pastor identity. No way. You're coming right back in here. You're not getting out of here. Don't even try that mess because that's, that's where you need to be. That's where there's glory and pride and all these, you know, self-righteousness, just like the Pharisees, they couldn't get out of it. 
Right? How many times did Jesus challenge the Pharisees? Have you noticed that about the gospel as you read it, as you read all the gospels? Who's Jesus angry with? Who's Jesus challenging? The Pharisees. Me. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Oh, God help me. Trained by the best Southeastern seminary had to offer. It's deep, deep in here. In here. And you try to get out of that? You try to just transcend it? And I'm not saying I want to kill it. Because it has value and it serves well. And I need to do things that a pastor does. I'm not going to just go off and be a monk somewhere. Right? That's what a lot of people did, though, right? Monks and nuns, that they kind of saw this in their lives and, like, I want to really put these identities behind. I'm going to pick up a whole new one and live in my true self. I'm going to go to a monastery to do it. That's monastic living, that's contemplative living. That's what this, this teaching is what motivates that, that kind of change in someone's life. So it, it's real. <clears throat> but most of us aren't going to be living in monasteries. So we got we to gotta dance with this dance. We got to live with this tension of, you know, how do I live in this identity but transcend this identity and live in my true self in the Holy Spirit of God? And this is why he said, take up your cross daily. And follow me. This is everyday stuff. Everyday stuff. So Jesus is modeling for us, I believe, that we need to deliver up these old small cells that will never satisfy us. We need to deliver up those egos and press forward into our true self, our soul filled with the Holy Spirit that is one with him and one with God. God in Jesus, Jesus in God, me in God, me in Jesus, me in the Spirit. Jesus is all and in all. And if you think I'm using a lot of repetition here, absolutely I am. Read, read chapter 13 through chapter 17 and see how that all gets played out over and over again. It's this integration, bringing together into one true self that lives and operates in union with God and is centered in love. That's how you can know you're living in your true self. Is what I'm doing right now, motivated in love? Or am I washing this person's feet because I want to be seen? I want to go tell my friend what a great thing I did. I served on this team or did this mission trip or whatever. Am I doing it for vain glory? Oh, come on. Be honest with yourselves. We do that all the time. And sometimes we can even feel ourselves wanting to hold back a little bit, but no, we just got to let it go. Oh, yeah. Look at this great big thing I did for God. You're going to love this. It's so awesome. Notch one up for me in the heavenly notch marks up there. Or whether it's at work. I'm going to do a little extra work on that project. I'm going to go the second mile. 
Hey, everybody, look what I did. Look how great this was. All, all of those things, when you're, when you're doing it from that motivation, you're doing it to feed that ego, that small self. That's why the Bible tells you, you know, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, right? See how this all comes together? You do those extra things. You serve, you love, you humble yourself for the glory of God and Jesus Christ. Did you catch what was in the middle of our text today? Now is the Son of Man glorified. The Son of Man is not glorified. God is not glorified when we're raising our hands, taking all the glory. It's like, oh, look at that great thing Ryan did. Boy, he's so awesome. He's great. No, and we do that. We just can't help ourselves. But we can. We can if we can see we have eyes to see right and ears to hear we can we can see those things say oh hello pride what are you doing back why are you here right now hello self-righteousness who invited you why are you here God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. John Piper said that, and I believe that. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. <clears throat> and it's in delivering up these old, small ego selves that we are most satisfied in God. It is then the Son of Man is glorified, Jesus Christ, and God is glorified in him. It's then when the small self-egos are out of the way that we can follow Jesus's greatest command, which is right here in our text, to love one another just as he has loved us. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll admit, that you really can't live that in its deepest fulfillment when you are operating in your small old self. Because that small old self wants what it wants. And its motives are not always good. So for us to truly love one another, as Jesus commanded us, new commandment I give you, love one another, just as I have loved you. Why? What, what does the text say? Why? That the world will see that you are my disciples. That's how we prove it. The world's not interested necessarily in what comes out of our mouths. We can go run our mouths all day long, preach the gospel, do evangelism, all these things all day long. But if we have not love, we are a noisy gong and a clanging symbol, the Apostle Paul says. And so when we operate in the true self, we can truly love. We can love our annoying little brother. <laughs> when he picks on us or steals our stuff, or whatever, we can annoy that older, or we can love that annoying older sister, right? This plays out in the family, boy, directly. We can annoy that 
that husband that doesn't pick up his socks. <laughs> we can love that annoying husband that doesn't pick up his socks. We can love that. We can love that annoying wife that doesn't, you know, clean the kitchen the way as fast as we might want her to. You know, all those little things, you know, you, you walk around the house and you start to feel yourself annoyed. You know, that's the small self wanting what it wants. How could they, how could they treat me that way? How could they talk about me like that? That's the small self, the old self, feeling attacked, defending. Recognize it for what it is. It's old, it's small. You can, you can move past that. Ask God to help you. Move past that, transcend that to true love and joy and peace. And so, brothers and sisters, I believe that is what Jesus wants for us today. He says, peace I leave to you, peace I give you. You want peace in your hearts? This is the path to peace. Peace is every step in this path. This is the path to peace. And Jesus didn't leave us wondering how to, how to have this peace. He, he's modeled it for us. The book of Hebrews says he's the forerunner. He went ahead. He showed us the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So let's follow Jesus. Follow him into the, the love and abundant life that he's offering us. It's a gift. Sometimes we feel like, you know, we got to fight for joy, right? I used to say that. Like, oh. Life is so hard. I feel like I have to fight for joy. And a wise person told me, you don't fight for joy. You just let go and fall into it. Like, yeah, you know, that's right. It's, it's here. It's the gift. You don't have to fight for a gift. Unless it's Christmas morning and my brother's there. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to fight. Why am I fighting? You don't have to fight, brothers and sisters. The gift is there. We just fall into it. Love, abundant life, peace. Jesus is standing there with open arms. Here it is. Will you fall into it? Will you accept it? Will you put off the old small selves that are hindering you? Like weights around your legs. And just accept it, fall into it through faith. That's the invitation today for all of us. Love one another. This is the commandment. And Jesus will give us the ability to do it <clears throat> through the power of the Spirit in our lives. Amen.